Welcome, all of you wine and true crime lovers. I'm your host, Brandy, and this is Texas Wine and True Crime. Thank you for being here, friends, for Season 3, Episode 9, Solved in Texas. Hey, Chris, we are back at it. Took a little beach vacay with the fam and some friends, but we are happy to be back in the studio with all of you. Hello, everyone. Yes, we are very glad to be back. It's been a little little time spent off from, yes. uh, from doing this. I know. Uh, it seems, it, it feels like we've been gone months, but it's actually only been like a week and a, a half. A week, yeah. <laughs> but uh, nice little vacay, but we are back at it. And this week, we are sipping on our third wine from our three favorite series out of Slato Winery. Today, we are sipping on a Diamond Back, which is a blend of Cabernet and Merlot, 100% grown from their vineyard. So you have the Cabernet and the Merlot grapes. So perfect crisp with meats, with pastas. We've got uh, 75% medium toast French oak and also 25% medium toast American oak. So um, they uh, they really invested in this wine. Oh, yes. It's delicious. It's absolutely delicious. So thank you again, Salado Winery, for all of your support for the show. It just means really so much to us. All right, Chris, uh, tell me, what did you pair Diamondback? Well, you can't tell me. I already know, and I already ate it. But what did you decide to pair with Diamondback this week? Well, I made a baked ziti and just a nice little salad, avocado salad. Um, I figured it would kind of Italian- you know, it would go nice with a nice Cabernet Merlot yep. blend. Right. It was good. It was mm-hmm. good. Yes. It was good. Uh, so, guys, if you want any of the recipes or any of the dishes, uh, Chris, I was showing off your spaghetti the other night, even though you didn't make it for the show. You made it because it's our kiddos, one of her favorite dishes. It was popular. Or- Yes, it was popular. So uh, I'm sure your ZD will be just as popular. Excellent. (laughs) All right. And of course, if you want to support the show and help keep the decanter full, just head over to our website, click on that Kofi link, um, and you can learn more about how you can support us. And Chris, we really, really, all the support is really nice. Oh, I agree. I know. And all the nice reviews and people buying us wine. It's just really sweet. Thank you guys so much for for your support. It's really appreciated. Yes, thank everyone. And of course, if you enjoy the show, please head over to Apple or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Click those five stars, write a nice sentence or two, and don't forget to hit that subscribe button while you are there. All right, hon, are you ready to get into this week's case solved in Texas? Yes, let's do it. All right, friends, let's sip some wine and talk some crime. All right, so this week, we are going to do things a bit differently. We are going to actually cover two recently solved cases here in Texas. We love seeing these cold cases getting attention, getting some traction, families getting some answers finally. Absolutely. So we are just going to jump right in it today, okay? All right, here we go. In July of 2003, near Slanton, which is in the Lubbock area, a mother and her daughter see something strange kind of lying off a dirt road. So Chris, instead of approaching what they see, they decide to call 911. Yes, wisely so. Yeah, authorities come out to the scene and soon the victim is identified as 21-year-old Cynthia Palacio. Uh, She was found naked from the waist down, lying in a field off a country road. Uh, It was determined she did die from asphyxiation by strangulation. Uh, Cynthia had a two-year-old daughter at the time of her murder. Terrible. 
Yeah, so we have a young girl found off the side of the road, um, and less than a year later, her roommate, 21-year-old Linda Carbajal, was found near New Deal, which is also, Chris, an area of Lubbock, okay? Uh, Carbajal was killed by blunt force trauma and asphyxiation by strangulation. Okay, so we have two women... Both young mothers, Palacio and Carbajal, were roommates, born in the same month of the same year. Both were 21 years old when they died, and both dumped on remote county roads. A lot going on here. There is, and that's a very strange uh, coincidence. Yes, those coincidences. Here we go again. Okay, so... Palacio's body is found in 2003. Carbajal's body is found in 2004. But Chris, in 2005, they have enough evidence to link both of these cases possibly together. So now we have two women that not only live together as roommates, but now we know they were murdered possibly by someone with similar DNA. Mm -hmm. All right. So for 17 years, they had the DNA of the of the suspect that um, they got off of Palacio and Carbajal, um, but they had no suspect. So nothing, nothing matched Um, until January of 2020. And so what happens in January, a Waco realtor files a complaint of harassment. So the claim was made that there was a man harassing multiple Waco realtors and making threats towards them and their children. So what do they do? They open an investigation into this, right? This this person that called was freaked out. They said it keeps happening to multiple people. So um, Waco police decide they're going to open an investigation. And with the help of the human trafficking team that they have there in the county, mm-hmm. they use technology and intel, and they identify 57-year-old Andy Castillo as the harasser. So they locate him, Chris, in the Lubbock area. Interesting. But so there, so this it's about to get really interesting. So they take him into custody, and the police in Lubbock take a DNA sample from him before he is transported to Waco, where he is going to face the charge of one count of stalking and two counts of criminal solicitation, aggravated sexual assault of a child. That's some heavy duty stuff there. Pretty heavy, considering he's never met any of these children. Remember that he's met, he's making these threats over the phone. Yes. So very telling on, on what's going on here. Um, so he's basically telling these realtors, you know, just really terrible things that he's going to do to their kids, to them. So Chris, during the investigation, they actually found as many as a hundred different realtors and about 10 different States that had been being harassed by this guy. Wow. I know. He's basically sitting there literally just trying to find... Just dialing people, Just dialing people. Real estate people. All right. So Castillo's sample was entered into the DNA database, and the Texas Rangers get a match to the semen found on Palacio's thigh, along with other DNA they obtained, Chris, from her nails, her necklace, the blouse she was wearing um, that day. And they track it to an inmate in the McLennan County Jail, which just happens to be Andy Castillo. Hmm. 
Palacio's relatives describe her as a kind-hearted woman who was full of life and loved to dance, laugh, and party. Her mom, Rosa Palacio, also said Cynthia Palacio's two-year-old daughter was her top priority. Um, her mom was just kind of shocked this even happened to her. She had friends, she said. She was loved by lots of people. And her mom said, quote, I just want to know why. She said this back in 2003, Chris, for the Avalanche Journal when they interviewed her. Uh, the last update I could find um, said that Castillo still remains in jail on bonds totaling more than $1.5 million. So remember, we're in the kind of the COVID court phase of things, right? Everything is pushed back. Mm -hmm. And so it will, it might be a while until he, he faces any justice. But um, before her murder and a year before Palacio's murder, so let's talk, let's talk about Carbajal here a little bit, okay? Okay. So she did an interview from jail saying that she wanted out of the life of drugs and prostitution. At this point, Chris, when she did this interview that I watched, and guys, you can, you can find this online, she had been jailed 39 times. Wow. 39, she was, she said she didn't want to come back a 40th. She had been in prison 39 different times for either prostitution, drugs, money. I think the longest, I think her longest stint was seven months. That's a lot of times for a 21 year old. 21 years old. She said it started when she was 11. Man. So she does this interview, right? They, they, they she's doing this interview and they are asking her about just her life and what was what went wrong. And Chris, unfortunately, a year after that interview that she did in jail, her life was taken. Yes. So it remains unknown how Castillo actually knew these women, besides possibly through prostitution and drugs, or if he even knew they were roommates, which we, we just don't know yet. He's in prison. There, he's probably not saying much right mm -hmm. now. So um, I couldn't find anywhere that it was it was really clear on how he actually knew. And plus, he's he's significantly older. Well, that'll probably all come out. Once yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, once once everything kind of comes to trial, and um, he is tried for the murder of Palacio, which he is being held for. He is being tried for murder, but hopefully we will see justice for Miss um, Carbajal's murder too, because I think he probably killed both of them. I think the police know the deed. They have a DNA match onto both of them and they're just maybe waiting to find, at least they know for Palacio, they can nail it, you know, nail it and be done with it. Yes. And um, at least he'll be, um, he'll be serving time for that. Absolutely. Um, and well, it's now time for a wine recess and a word from our sponsor. Chris, I am thrilled that Podcorn is sponsoring today's show. Oh, I'm so thrilled as well. <laughs> you know how much I love Podcorn. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know how much you love them. And that's Podcorn Friends, P-O-D. But I am even more excited to share with all of you my very own experience using Podcorn. As you've heard in our episodes, we've had the privilege of working with different brands, showcasing other podcasts, and this is all because of Podcorn. Chris, do you want to hear my favorite thing about Podcorn? 
you're going to tell me anyways. So <laughs> I'm yes. going to tell you. So my favorite thing is the option to send a voice message to a potential sponsor or a personal note telling them why they need to choose you to represent their brand. So I always think there's something to be said about personally reaching out, introducing yourself, and telling them why you and your show would be a great fit for their product. You can start building that relationship just as simple as that. Easy peasy, right? Easy peasy. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing sponsorship opportunities for their show, such as host read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. Honestly, Chris, the platform is so easy to use and they bring the sponsors right to you. So, you know, it just takes a little a little effort on our part, right? So the Marketplace mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when we monetize. All right, Chris. So here is my other favorite thing about Podcorn. With Podcorn, there is no middleman. Whether you're a newbie podcaster or just released your one millionth episode, you can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform. You set your own rates. You can collaborate with brands directly without being exclusive. And more, most importantly, you never give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn supports you every step of the way. Um, and they also make sure you get paid, Chris, for all of your hard work. That's, so That's important. That's important. Trust and transparency, my two favorite teas in business. That's what Podcorn is all about. So podcasters, it's time to get creative and collaborate. Click the link in my show notes to sign up to, for Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities today. Cheers. Cheers. The second case we are going to talk about is the cold case turned soft case of 11-year-old Julie Fuller. So back in 1983, Julie and her family were staying in an Arlington hotel after recently moving to Texas from England. So Chris, they had only been in the U.S. less than a month um, when their daughter goes missing from this hotel. On June 27, 1983, Julie Fuller was reported missing after she had gone to take out the trash at the Kensington Motel in Arlington, where her family was staying. Like I mentioned, they had just moved to the U.S. from England. The next day, her nude body was found in Fort Worth. The, auto the autopsy would later reveal that she had been raped, Chris, and strangled to death. Um, they actually never found the clothes she was wearing that day, which, ugh. No, it's crazy. The DNA collected from the victim's body was ran through CODIS, but turned up no results in the case Chris would go unsolved for 36 years. But in 2018, and this is why I'm just, you know, I'm learning so much about the genealogy different things that DNA can now do based on science and things that have been, you know, created and researched. And it, and it, and we're about to talk about Parabon nanobolts, nanolabs, right? Parabon nanolabs. And in 2018, detectives actually reach out to them. And what they want to do is they want to create a snapshot DNA phenotyping report. So what this is, is basically just predicting what the person would look like based on the DNA that they have. Mm -hmm. 
it's this amazing, crazy thing that they're using now, right? Yeah, I don't know how the heck they do that, but it is pretty amazing. Yeah, so using the DNA evidence obtained in this investigation into um, the disappearance and murder of Julie Fuller, what they did is they created a snapshot that basically predicts the traits that this person would have with the unidentified DNA because they don't know who the suspect is, right? So by combining all of this together and then guessing maybe what the face looks like, what color eyes, skin color, they can do it by age. So in this case, they did it every 20 years. They did it at age 25, 45, and 65. So basically, they're they're predicting what this person would look like at those three ages. So they detect detectives get this profile, right? Then they sent the DNA to a private genealogy company, which matched the evidence with DNA it had on file from a relative of the suspect. Police contacted the suspect's family, got more samples of their DNA, and positively linked James McNichols to the crime. He was officially identified in March of 2019. I guess this was like people that sent off to that 23andMe and stuff like that or whatever the, you know, where you can find out your where you came from. They that's have right. Like big, yeah. That's yeah. Crazy. Or maybe you're or maybe a relative who was in jail. Right. Their DNA is listed. Maybe they're, they're, you know, it, it really just depends like where they're getting the DNA from, but they can run it in all different kinds of reports to see if anybody, any kind, I mean, there was one case that was solved from like distant, distant, distant cousins. I mean, it really is just amazing what they can do. Yeah, it is amazing. It is amazing. Um, okay. So McNichols, though, he died in Iowa in 2004 at the age of 52. But they did determine that he did live in the same area as the Fuller family at the time of the crime. Uh, Julie's older brother told Fox News, quote, I always kind of would beat myself up that maybe I should have been paying more attention and maybe not so into myself. The fact that I allowed my little sister to just wander off like that. I mean, she was just taking out the trash. Um there's different accounts and reports. One account said that she had walked out to the front of where she knew the garbage pail was and it was full. So she went around to find another one. Mm -hmm. And that's when they think maybe she was taken. Um, but there were really, I mean, they, they interviewed witnesses and different things like that, but, but nobody really saw much of important, you know, to, to basically lead to her in time. Yes. Um, and that did really hit this comment he made just broke my heart, you know, even though what happened to his sister wasn't his fault. I mean, they had just got to America from England. Oh yeah. I can only imagine the guilt he would live with. I mean, less than a month and they, and they were bringing their kids here for a better life. The parents were getting better jobs. It's just, it's just really sad. Fuller, who was 13 um, at the time um, that his sister, you know, we mentioned was killed, said that he was actually glad McNichols was dead, Chris, because he couldn't imagine his parents actually having to relive all this in court. Oh, yeah. Or facing this person after all of this time. So really just such a sad case, but I'm glad to see, you know, that her family is getting some sort of closure. Yeah, absolutely. I guess you can't say justice, but it is closure. 
it is closure and he is deceased and um you know not either way it won't bring her back but at least they have a name and a face and they can you know i don't know maybe that's a part of healing it's just being able to look at that or never wanting to see it true but it had been 36 years it's a long time Long but time. but DNA, they're doing some amazing things now. So um, this case and just like so many others that we are seeing in Texas, so many others that we're going to be covering um, just by this DNA genealogy and all of this interesting, amazing stuff they are doing now to help solve these cold cases that are, you know, sometimes from the 60s. You know, that they're that they're solving. So good things happening. All right, Chris. Well, that concludes season three, episode nine. You can find pictures related to these cases on our Instagram and Facebook pages. Just search Texas Wine and True Crime. All right, babe. Are you ready to review the wine and cork it? Sure. I feel like it's been three months. Oh, you remember? I was about to say I feel like it's been three months since we've been here, so I don't remember who corked it I last time. I think I did last one. Okay. Well, we know how I feel about this wine. Well, for one, I love the label. And by the way, I love their labels because, okay, so it's diamond back. So it has a diamond rattlesnake on the front of it. Is that the right name of it? Diamond back. Diamond back rattlesnake, right? Mm -hmm. So it says rattlesnakes um, can control their venom released from each fang. Did you know that? I did not know that. See? I love wine labels. They always tell you something you don't know. People need to read their wine labels. It is a cool label. I like what's actually inside the bottle. I thought it was. <laughs> it's very good. I initially thought this was going to be kind of a heavier wine, but I think the blend of the two, um, very light, easy to drink. Um, you know, not 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 too sweet at all. No. Anything. I mean, I think it's a little dry, too. It so is dry. It, it finishes nicely. And I think it went well with our meal. It went great with the meal. The ziti was very good. The salad was good. This wine is good. And guys, you know that Salado Winery ships anywhere in Texas, and you can find the perfect wine no matter what you drink, white, red, a little sweet. They carry something for everyone. So go check out our friends at SalatoWinery.com and tell them your friends at Texas Wine and True Crime sent you. Okay, well, hon, each week we highlight an organization that just inspires us to be givers and better people in general. So this week, Chris, since we are talking about recent cold cases, I want to share the Cold Case Foundation with all of you. Um, An estimated 5,737 cold-blooded killers get away with murder every year. That's a lot. That is a lot. A disturbing study of FBI records found that since 1995, the national average of solved homicides in the United States is only about 64%. That leaves 36% of murders unsolved annually. This, so what this does, right? You have a mountain of cold case, right? Mm -hmm. All these police departments and there's now compounding financial and workload. You have more crimes that are occurring that are piling on top of the cold cases. And then what if you don't have the funds to actually create a cold case unit, right? What if you're a small department and that's not possible? The funding isn't there. You don't have the manpower for it. Um, so in order to address address these challenges, um, some police departments, 
you know, we'll um, go ahead and dedicate cold case detectives while others just don't do that at all. They just do everything together. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, the problem just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So what the Cold Case Foundation does is it's dedicated to stopping the deadly compounding effect of cold cases and providing hope and resources to families affected by violent crime. The Cold Case Foundation is devoted to raising public awareness and creating partnerships to assist and provide law enforcement whatever resources are needed to bring about closure. I love this. That's pretty cool. So um, we will put their website on our show notes. You can learn more about the Cold Case Foundation, but there's ways that you can donate, you can volunteer, and... um, we're. I think we're going to be talking and covering a lot of cold case stuff this month. Recently solved things. We've got yes. um, a guest coming on, a very, very special guest coming on this month. So um, this is really important. So guys, check out the Cold Case Foundation. Um, I know cold cases are really, really hard to hear because there's no closure, but I feel like they need to be talked about. They need to be heard. They need to be seen. People can, it just takes that one person to remember something or that one person that heard something. And um, so I I think we're definitely going to be shedding some light on some good news about cold cases that have been solved this month. Yes, we will. All right. Um, Well, Chris, do you have anything else? I don't believe so. All right. Well, thanks for being here today. Certainly. And every day. Your food's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Keep around for something. All right, friends, (laughs) stay safe, have fun, and cheers to next time. 